Thank you so much, Craig. That was lovely. I really appreciated that. And, and I tell you, we really appreciate your leadership of, of DECA. Um, you give yourself to it, and it is a wonderful thing. Wherever God is at work by his Holy Spirit, he replicates something of his perfect community in Trinity, in the communities that he creates. And therefore, for us to come together of, as communities of Christ together under DECA is a good thing and something that pleases God. So it's a delight to be here and to share uh, in this time and also in this place, which uh, for me has many, many warm and wonderful memories over the 12 years that uh, we as a family have been in Dundee. Let's hear God's word. Daniel chapter 2. Uh, and I'll just fill in the, the backdrop for you. It's a very, very difficult and trying situation for Daniel and his friends because Nebuchadnezzar has had a dream and he's called the wise men of Babylon together and he said, I want you to interpret my dream. And they said, certainly, king, what is your dream? And Nebuchadnezzar says, I'm not telling you what my dream is. You've got to tell me what the dream is and then interpret it for me. And this just freaks them out. And of course, they're just not up to snuff. And so, brutal, 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 Nebuchadnezzar calls for the lives of all the wise men, so-called, of Egypt. And so this is what's happening. This is the backdrop. And if we pick up the reading at verse 17... After this news has been spread abroad, then Daniel went to his house and made the matter known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, his companions, and told them to seek mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery so that Daniel and his companions might not be destroyed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Then the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision of the night. Then Daniel blessed the God of heaven. Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, to whom belong wisdom and might. He changes times and seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness, and the light dwells with him. To you, O God of my fathers, I give thanks and praise for you have given me wisdom and might and have now made known to me what we asked of you, for you have made known to us the king's matter. It was very, very cold in Dundee this week. And I was walking up Reform Street and I thought, I, I just got to get a coffee. So I, I walked into one of the coffee shops. And as I walked into the coffee shop from the cold into the warmth, there was a, a pop song playing that absolutely matched my mood. It absolutely matched my mood. It was the mamas and the papas singing, all the leaves are brown and the sky is gray. I've been for a walk on a winter's day. I'd be safe and warm if I was in LA, California dreaming. And as I stood waiting for my cappuccino, I thought I'd love to be in California right now or somewhere warm. It's not unusual. Well, that's a song as well, isn't it? But it's not unusual 
to be wanting to be out of a bad situation into something that is better. But when we have to face the challenges of life, the likes of which we are having to just now, the question is, what do we draw upon? What do we draw upon in difficult and dark times? And this is where we find great help from Daniel and his friends. Someone commented on these days in which we live with this pandemic that it has a kind of apocalyptic feel to it. And I know what they mean. And so this is why parts of scripture like this are so important. For there we find that historically God's people have gone through very, very difficult times and faced enormous challenges. And yet in them, I've found God to be faithful and true. In every circumstance, in every scenario, God always has his servants standing in the shadows, ready to step up and to respond, not with fear, not with fear, but with faith in him. So King Nebuchadnezzar has had a bad dream, a disturbing dream. And he calls on the wise men of Babylon to interpret, but then absolutely shocks them by not telling them what the dream was, but still requiring them to interpret it. And they are absolutely smoked out. They are absolutely rumbled. The limits of their abilities are exposed. And if they can't do it, then they are to die. So a reminder to us, as we look at what Daniel and his friends were going through, it reminds us of the brutality of what they were facing. This is looking sin square in the face. Brutal. And so it is, the drama unfolds for Daniel, that Arioch, captain of the king's guard, knocks on Daniel's door and says, Daniel, it's the time. And by the way, I believe that you've got three other guys staying in the flat as well. If you'd just like to bring them out, these fine soldiers behind me, these are the firing squad, and we're just going to uh, do what we have to do and move on. Thanks very much. And Daniel, with great presence of mind, asks Arioch, why is the king's decree so urgent? What poise. <laughs> what courage in the face of danger. And what happens next reveals to us the kind of standing that Daniel had in the higher echelons of Babylonian society. Because Arioch gives them the opportunity to go and to speak to the king. Now, remember, this is Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, one of the greatest ancient empires ever. And yet, Daniel, by the grace of God and in the sovereign plan of God, has access to go into speak to the king. It's truly astonishing. And he goes to the king and he asks for time to discern the will of God in this. And the king agrees. The king agrees. What godly composure. 
What faith on the part of Daniel in a deep, dark time. And tonight what I want to do is, given that that's the backdrop, just ask two very simple questions. Where do they go? And what do they know? Where do they go? And what do they know? Where do they go? What is the instinctive thing that they do? Well, it is to pray. And facing what they do, their prayers are like sharpened arrows. Events and circumstances that are trying and difficult sharpen our prayers. And prayer itself is the measure of our dependence upon God. Have you noticed that? And secondly, what do they know? What is it that guides them here in their actions? It is surely their knowledge of God. And later on in the book of Daniel, in Daniel chapter 11, it reads, The people who do know their God shall be strong and do exploits. The people who do know their God shall be strong and do exploits. Instinctive things that believers do. But heightened by the sense of crisis that they face. They go to prayer. In the knowledge of who their God is. So where do they go? Well, verse 17 says, Daniel returned to his house and explained the matter to his friends Hananiah, Mishael and Azariah. He urged them to plead for mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery so that he and his friends might not be executed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. You know, when interpreting biblical characters, it is important to remember that they they were flesh and blood like you and I. We're not talking about Batman or Superman here. We're talking about ordinary men, in this case, of flesh and blood. They must have been terrified. But despite the fact that they are terrified, there is a confidence running through them. They would be scared. But key here is their instinctive action of prayer. Well, of course, some people might say, well, in any situation like that, you're going to find people praying. It was said when they were trying to ban prayer in American schools that the only way they'd be able to ban prayer in American schools would be if they banned examinations. That's the only way they could ban prayer there. But what I'd like to stress is the link between what they do and what they know of the God of Israel. Because what they know of the God of Israel informs their actions. It's notable in this text that the names used for Daniel's friends are not the Babylonian given names of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, but their Hebrew names. Daniel returned to his house and explained the matter to his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. And this is a reminder, it's a subtle reminder in the text that what is happening here is happening to God's people. They may be in Babylon, they may be in exile, but they're still God's people. They may be in a foreign land, surrounded by all the pomp and circumstance of Babylon, but they are God's men in Babylon. 
God oversees his people wherever we are. God allowed his people to be taken into exile in Babylon because of their covenant unfaithfulness. Time and time again, they had consistently turned to other gods and failed to trust in Yahweh, the God of Israel. And their time of 70 years in exile was prescribed for them. Jeremiah tells them that 70 years and they'd be back. And it doesn't completely cure them of their idolatry, but to a large extent it did stamp out the kind of rampant idolatry that reared up from time to time. And part of those in exile are Daniel and friends. Part of the cream of the crop had been taken to Babylon and to be re-educated there in the ways of the government of Babylon. But their hearts are for God. Their hearts are for God. And this is what emerges. In difficult, difficult situations, what we are comes out. And what we are as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ in these testing times is so important. Daniel and his friends had confidence in a difficult time. Confidence in God. How are we faring in these COVID-19 days? You see, this is a reminder to the reader that what is happening here and the way that things are framed, that this is happening to God's people in God's will. Last time I was preaching here in St. Peter's a few weeks ago, I did say, and I'll say it again, that heaven is not surprised by COVID-19. That God is still on his throne. And that he is sovereign over all. But what do our instinctive reactions tell us about the reality and depth of our trust in God? In so many ways, we are exiles in our own land. Christendom always was a vapor, but now it's evaporated. There is so much to learn from the response of Daniel. Daniel returned to his house and explained the matter to his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, and he urged them real sense of the passion there. He urged them to plead for mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery. You see, what happens to God's people happens to matter to God. He is not unaware. Peter writes in his first epistle, cast all your care upon him because he cares for you. This is the wonderful dynamic that we have as believers even in difficult days. And so it is instinctively to prayer that they go. Him mm, that's coming into my head is, is, is what a friend. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. So what did they do? Well, they went to prayer. And what did they know? And this is the thing that's so easy to miss here. Note, (laughs) the reaction of Daniel and friends is actually not the kind of reaction that people from other lands would have had. You see, in those days, there were national gods. You had your own national gods. And if if your country was conquered by another, then the implicit idea would be that, that their god was bigger 
and more powerful than your God. The God of the victor was stronger than the God of the vanquished. That's the kind of thinking that they had in those days. But there is not a shred of that in the minds of Daniel and his friends. Not a shred of that kind of thinking in their heads. And that takes us to their understanding of God expressed here. Listen to this prayer of Daniel. Look at verse 19. During the night, the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision. Then Daniel praised the God of heaven and said, Praise be to the name of God forever and ever. Wisdom and power are his. He changes times and seasons. He deposes kings and raises up others. He gives wisdom to the wise. You see, most of the problems that we have in the Christian life are because our view of God is too constricted. It's too small. Daniel knows his God. This is what we might call a circumstance-defying statement. But it is this belief in the greatness of God that informs Daniel's actions and those of his friends. Could it be that the cultural trials we face today will be God's means of blessing in the deepening of our knowledge of him? Could it be that our circumstances are our opportunity to discover the deeper things of God? We often quote Romans 8, don't we? That all things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. And it's true. What could God do through believers who have been deepened in their prayer life And in their knowledge of God. I think the answer is a lot. A lot. It's what Daniel and friends know of God that informs their actions. This is key. And what we find here coming to the surface in Daniel is his unshakable faith in a sovereign God. Now, we can talk much about God's sovereignty and it can sound like a cliche, but it's not. It's not. Think about where Daniel is. He is in exile in one of the most powerful ancient empires. And yet, this is what he says. Praise be to the name of God forever. A wisdom and power are his. He changes times and seasons. He deposes kings and raises up others. Now, think about where we are and know this. God is sovereign in our circumstances too. And like Daniel, we may rejoice in this fact. He reveals, he goes on, he reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what lies in darkness and light dwells in him. You can sense what's happening in Daniel's heart. He's gone from the depths of despair to the heights of praise. Simply because He's looking to the Lord and he's understanding who God is. I thank and praise you, God of my ancestors. You have given me wisdom and power. You have made known to me what we asked of you. You have made known to us the dream of the king. <laughs> and the other thing that you'll notice here is he's, he's praising and thanking God before he ever goes to the king. He's not even tested what God has said to him. He just knows that God has spoken to him. 
Such is Daniel's confidence in God that he is prepared to count his chickens before they hatch. Because in the sovereign will of God, they've already hatched. If you follow my logic. His will, God's will and word cannot be thwarted. And Daniel and his friends know this. And that's what brings them the confidence here. And in the prayer, if we, if we segmentize it, number one, they're saying that God is worthy. Two, that God is wise. Three, that God is mighty. Four, that God is able. Five, that God speaks. Six, that God knows. Seven, that God dwells in light. So, Daniel says, to you, O God of my fathers, I give thanks and praise. Brothers and sisters, theology, what we know of God, correctly understood, always has to lead to doxology, the worship of God. And that's what we see happening here. How did Daniel know these things? Well, at the very least, Daniel would have had some of the prophetic works. Daniel would have had part of the book of Psalms. The book of Psalms was still being written while the Jews were in exile in Babylon. Psalm 46, nations are in uproar, kingdoms fail, he lifts his voice, the earth melts. This is what Daniel knew. This is what held him in dark times and in down times. That's true for us too. In dark times and in down times, we do not hold to our feelings which fluctuate, but to what we know. And this is what we know, that God is in control. And this means that Daniel, in the face of this massive world empire, is not spooked by the seemingly unassailable nature of that empire. But he approaches with confidence. Because he knows his God. He knows his God. A true biblical perspective brings great blessing. And I just want to say to you on a personal note tonight, if you're feeling down about things, take Daniel's prayer and pin it to your bedroom wall. To remind you of the nature of God. Daniel and friends express their faith, not in the God they imagine, but in the God they know. Isn't that wonderful? It is what we know of God that holds us in dark days. And I know I'm praying for myself and for those I know and love. It is this. Not that these times might pass quickly, but that God would act sovereignly in doing what he will do in order to bring his people to where we need to be. A fresh commitment to prayer. Why is it that pastors like me feel as if we're always twisting people's arms up their backs to get to a prayer meeting? Fresh, a deeper commitment to prayer, a deeper knowledge of God. The people who do know their God shall be strong and do exploits. And of course, we believe that Christ is in all of the scriptures. And these events in Babylon and the survival 
of God's people and the return again through an incredible act. God wrought through Cyrus. He would bring his people back and from his people Christ would come. And so this is part of an unfolding story that will culminate in Jesus Christ. And he would deliver his people not in part but in whole. He lived, he died, he rose, he reigns. Jesus is Lord at this very moment and one day he will return. He is at the right hand of the majesty on high and from whence he will burst the clouds one day and he will come back. This Jesus, this mighty Lord, This lion of the tribe of Judah said to his troubled disciples, speaking of the challenges that they would face, said this, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. But take heart. I've overcome the world. This is, brothers and sisters, this is our Jesus. He is our Lord. And in him, circumstances notwithstanding, we are secure. And our longing as evangelicals in Dundee is to see more come into the kingdom and take the knee to Jesus. Shall we pray? God, our gracious and loving Heavenly Father, we are frail and faltering on so many occasions, but you are altogether wonderful. You are beyond our imagining. And you've expressed your love for your people in the sending of Jesus. And we thank you for the security that we have in him who loved us all the way to the cross. Father God, we adore you. We love you. Help us by the power of your Holy Spirit to live for you in Dundee. Amen.